Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious Father, draw ever nearer to us that Your Word might have power over us, that You might continually work in us to renew our hearts and our minds, to renew our wills, that we might always follow You, that we might always seek after You, that we always might know our Lord Jesus Christ more deeply. Help us, O Lord, to lay a hold of Your Word more faithfully, that we with all of Your saints might be to Your glory, that we might bring honor and praise to Your name, for it is Your work that is done in us, and it is Your work that is going out through us. So enable us, O Lord, to be Your people more, more fully, that we might know You as our God more deeply. We ask this all through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So here we are, the Sunday right after All Saints Day. And so, as I said before, we are celebrating All Saints. We're remembering the saints. We're recalling the saints in our Scripture readings this day. For we're using the assigned readings for All Saints Day. And in these readings we hear, especially in Revelation, about the saints before the throne of God, those who had been persecuted and those who had died in the faith and thus stand before the throne. And that John gets to see them in this vision, a multitude that no one could number. A multitude who are clothed in white robes. Who have in fact washed these robes in the blood of the Lamb. And that is why they are white robes. For through the blood they have been purified, they have been made one with God. And so, being a remembrance of All Saints Day, we consider and have to ask the question, what is a saint? What is a saint? I think for many of us, when we hear that name saint, we quickly think back to the early church. We think back to all the martyrs, St. Polycarp, St. Irenaeus. We think of these great martyrs of the faith who stood firm and confessed the faith to the point of death. Or maybe we think of other great leaders in the church like St. Augustine, St. Athanasius, some of the popes in those early days. We think of saints in terms of the actions that they perform and the actions that they do. But when we do that, we neglect the central aspect of what it is to be a saint. Being a saint isn't about all the good deeds that you do. A saint is one who has been holied by God. It's one who has received the Holy Spirit. And that very Holy Spirit, He is at work to make that person holy. Yes, I said holied at first. It's a weird made up word. But I want us to think about that. What does it mean to be made holy? It makes us think about where holiness comes from. Does holiness come from me? Is holiness something I conjure up out of my own abilities, out of my own actions? Or does holiness come from somewhere else? Is it a human achievement or is it an act of God Himself toward His people? It isn't something I do. 
It is, in fact, first and foremost, something that God does for us. It's something that God does in mankind on His own. It's a divine gift given from God above on account of the work of Christ Himself for us. Holiness isn't something that comes out of me, but it is something that is placed upon me. Think about Israel as they approach Mount Sinai. Are they a holy people? They've already been grumbling and complaining within just days of leaving Egypt. When they came up to the Red Sea, they were crying out and saying, oh, it would be better if we had never even attempted to leave Egypt. For the Egyptians are just going to come and kill us all now because we're trapped. Completely forgetting about all the acts of God that had been happening in the months before. The plagues that had been poured out upon Egypt itself for their sake. In order to bring them out. To free them from the enslavement that they knew in Egypt. How quickly the Israelites forget And so they don't have any real actions on their part to make them holy at that moment. And yet, God calls them His holy people. He considers them holy because He has laid hold of them and made them His own. He has remembered them as the children of Abraham. The man that He made a promise to. That He would make Him into a great nation. That His children would become a great nation. That through Him, through His seed, the world would be blessed. They were set apart in Abraham. They were set apart from the get-go by God. Not by Abraham, but by God Himself. And that is the essence of holiness, is to be set apart from the rest of the world. That is what makes God so centrally holy there in that sense that He is separate. He is distinct. He is unique. Because He is the Holy One. He is the Creator of all things. He is the self-existent One. The One who has always been and always will be. The One who depends on no one for anything. He is set apart in His very being. And His work is to set apart His people by His grace and by His mercy. And that's what we hear about in Revelation 7 right now. We hear about these people who have undergone the tribulation These people who are standing before the throne in white robes with palm branches crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. Salvation comes from God. It comes through the Lamb. It comes to us by God's grace. And thus, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever the saints cry out because He, the Lord God, has made them saints. He has made them holy by His work, by His actions. And then one of the elders there asked John himself, who are these clothed in white robes? And of course, John is just merely one seeing this vision. And so he says, sir, you know, you're the one who with the answers. I don't know anything that's going on. And the elder says, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Thus they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. They serve before the Lord and the Lord is their shelter. He is the one who guards them, who protects them, who gives them all that they need. And being sheltered by His presence, thus they shall hunger no more. Neither shall they thirst. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. And that is but a fulfillment of the great promises about 
the suffering servant, about the great servant of the Lord that we hear about in Isaiah. These words here come from Isaiah 49. Where the prophecy says that those who are prisoners who come out on account of the servant, they shall feed along the ways on all the bare heights shall their pastor be. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them, for he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And of course, that feeds into verse 17 there in Revelation, where the Lamb is in the midst of the throne. He will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of living water. The Lamb is the servant who will save God's people. All of Isaiah 49 is about the coming of the servant. This one who is working to redeem God's people, to redeem Israel herself. The servant has been formed by the very hand of God to bring Jacob back. But then Yahweh says to this servant, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations. The servant is not merely the servant of Israel. The suffering servant becomes the one who brings in the nations. He becomes a light that draws the nations to Yahweh. And through that, Israel is restored. Israel is made complete. For then the Gentiles come in and become one and a part of Israel. For God only has one people. And it is Israel. And it is because the servant is our head. The servant is the one who binds up all the people together, who unites all of these people who trust in Yahweh, who trust in Yahweh's promises. Because He is a covenant given to the people. It is in Him that the covenant is established. These promises of God, these promises that have been poured out upon us. And of course, the greatest and core promise being, I will be your God and you will be my people. Perfectly fulfilled in Christ who has the Father as His God, and who is perfectly the Father's one true man. The one who is the Blessed One. The one who accomplishes God's will perfectly. Who fulfills those words in Psalm 1. That blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, but trusts in Yahweh. He is that true and blessed one, the true servant who suffers on behalf of God's people, who brings these saints into heaven, who brings them before the throne of God, who washes them with the very blood He pours out for them. And thus, all of this is coming together to remind us that all the blessing that these saints have is something that is done to them. Blessing, again, just like holiness, is not something that comes up out of us, but is something placed upon us It's something that God does to us on account of the work of Christ. And thus these saints have been made holy and thus they are blessed to be in the presence of God forever and ever. Fulfilling all of Revelation 7, fulfilling all of Isaiah 49, fulfilling the work of the Lord through His servant on their behalf. We hear even more about that in Ephesians 1. That there in verse 13 it says, In Christ You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, 
who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. In Christ, you receive the promises. In Christ, you hear the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. In Christ, you trust in Christ. And in Christ, you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to those who are placed in Christ. And so by hearing and believing, and by being sealed by the Spirit, we are placed on a path toward acquiring possession of all the good things of God. We're placed on a pathway toward receiving all the promises of God by trusting and by walking in faith, by knowing the work of God and seeing the work of God. But one may ask, how does that come to be with me? How does this Holy Spirit come to seal me? And that's where we connect over to baptism itself. For St. Peter told the crowds there in Acts 2, Repent and believe, and you will receive forgiveness of sins. Repent and believe and be baptized, and you will receive forgiveness of sins and the promise of the Holy Spirit. For through baptism, He is bound up and given as a promise, given as an aid, given to His people to seal them, that they might outwardly know that they have been sealed with the Spirit. And if they've been sealed with the Spirit, then they've been given an inheritance. They've been told that you have an inheritance And that you will acquire possession of it when Christ returns. When He renews all things for the praise of His glory. We're driven to remember our baptisms as we reflect on the saints and how God makes them holy. For He makes us holy. He unites us to Christ by giving us the Spirit. By pouring the Spirit upon us through our baptisms. Through hearing His Word. And thus altering our hearts, renewing them and transforming them and guiding us ever nearer to Himself. And it all begins there at baptism. For in baptism we are given the very Word of God to us. We're given the promises of God. And here this pushes us over to Matthew. To know of the promises of God, what does that mean? That holiness and blessedness come together in Christ Himself. For there in Matthew, Jesus preaches and tells the crowds that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. All of these blessings. It's so easy to think think that therefore I need to act in these ways in order to be blessed. But we have to remember that blessing is something that comes from outside of us just as holiness does. And that thus someone else has accomplished this blessing on our behalf. Someone else has lived that perfect life of being poor in the Spirit. Someone else has lived that proper kind of mourning. Someone else has lived perfectly as a meek man upon this earth. Someone else has perfectly hungered and thirsted for righteousness. Someone else has been perfectly merciful. And He is the true blessed one. And He is Jesus Christ, the Lamb, who has poured out His blood on our behalf. Jesus is the true blessed man who through Him all of the blessings of God Himself come upon us. And so Matthew 5 in many ways is all about Jesus Himself. For again, if you go over to Isaiah, in Isaiah 61, you hear of all the acts of the Messiah, how He will bring blessing to the poor, how He will be, bring blessings to the meek, how He will free 
those who have been imprisoned. How He will lift up and renew those who mourn. And so it's through the Messiah that these blessings come upon God's people and thus He is the true blessed one. For He is fully and completely blessed by God for Jesus is all of these things. He is the peacemaker. He is perfectly pure. He is the one who is persecuted for righteousness' sake on our behalf that we might be bound up with Him and through Him receive that blessing from the Father and receive these gifts of poorness and spirit to receive the gift of mourning, to receive the gift of being meek, to receive the gift of hungering and thirsting for righteousness, to receive the gift of being merciful. All of these are gifts of God given to us through the very Son of God. He is blessed on our behalf and through His blessing He pours blessing upon us that we might see the promises of God upon us that we might see and be renewed continually over and over in His blessing and be made more and more holy through that by God pouring His holiness upon us to change us and to redirect our paths toward Himself more and more. And all of the promises of God come to us. God says over us, I will be your God and you shall be my people. But yet... Again, I ask, how does that come to be for us? God has made the promise, but who is it for? Who are God's people? Who can make up such a group that Yahweh, the Creator of heaven and earth, would be their God? I will be your people and you shall be my God. And yet another promise is that the just shall live by faith. And that connects to that. For the just shall live by faith. The just are the ones who are God's people. Through faith, the justified shall live before Him. They're the ones that have been considered right before Yahweh Himself. Those ones who in themselves might not be in the right must not be righteous. They must not be rightful actors except by faith, except by the work of God in them. But again, what kind of faith is this? How am I to know that I am one of the just who are living by faith? And then we come to that promise from Ezekiel, that glorious, beautiful promise of Yahweh saying, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will make you clean and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone, the heart of death from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, a living heart, a new heart. So God says, I shall be your God and you shall be my people. And my people are just by living by faith. And my people are the ones that I will sprinkle with clean water and give new hearts to. That I will purify. That I will make holy. That that I will tear away from the idols of this world. And He does it through that sprinkling of clean water upon His people. I will make you clean, Yahweh says. Yahweh sprinkles clean water upon me. He sprinkles clean water upon you and He makes us clean. And it is water that is attached to the very Word of God. It is attached to the Word of promise to Jesus Himself. When when I say the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
It thus becomes water that is surrounded by the words of God, following the words of Jesus telling us how to do it. And so that water surrounded by God's Word, by the prayers that draw from God's Word, is surrounded by His Spirit and is set aside by God's very will. It is set aside for God's use to bring cleansing, to bring renewal. This water is made holy by God's Word. It is made holy by God's Spirit. That God, through this water, might make His people holy. That God from outside of us would use something in His creation that He has given His promises to, that He has placed His Word upon, that He has given His Spirit to be over, to make it holy and set aside and gives it to His people to be poured upon them to make them holy, to separate them, to cut them off from the world. And thus, the Spirit comes by this water to be our aid. The Spirit comes to make us one with Christ to draw us to Christ, to work in us Christ Himself, to be our comfort, to come to us when we remember our baptisms. This holy water, water set aside by God's Word, is where God comes to make us holy and to set us apart. And that is how the saints become holy in heaven through the blood of Christ that washes them clean. And by God's promise of sprinkling clean water upon them, for Christ is the foundation, and out of Christ are all the promises of God given to His people. And this holy water is a place where God's promises are placed to be given to His people. And through this holy water of baptism, God makes holy people. Because God promises to fulfill His will. He promises to use this water in that way. And so by this water that has been tied to His Word and Spirit, all who come and receive in faith, faith that is a gift just as much as that holiness, as that blessedness that God gives to us. By that water, we will be made holy by God Himself. This water gifts us with the very holiness that God desires us to have. We're made holy by God through this Word-filled water. It's an anchor that we can cling to. It becomes an anchor point, a foundation point for knowing that the promises of God are for us, that God desires a holy people, and He makes a holy people for Himself, and thus He includes us in that through our baptisms and calls us to cling to that word of promise, that word of blessedness, that word of renewal, that we would then walk in that renewal over and over throughout our days and walk in the holiness we have been called to. And if God calls us to that holiness... He will give us what we need to walk in holiness. And here at this water, He gives what we need, the aid of the Holy Spirit, that we might become a holy people before Him, that we would become that royal priesthood before Him. And so we become God's own because He has made Himself our own. When He makes us holy, He unites us to Christ and thus truly becomes our God, and we truly become His people. In holiness by God's Word, in holiness by God's promises, we are made because God desires a holy people. And thus we are caught up in that heavenly host praising the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit there in heaven and have been made holy by the Holy Spirit, given to us through water, through the Word, through God's promises. And so we are called to walk in that holiness this day. 
Not in order to earn it, not in order to conjure up more of it, but to simply be who God has made us to be by baptism, by His Word, by His Lord's Supper. That we are made a holy people by God Himself. And He enables us to walk before Him as His people. That He would more and more fully be known to us as our God. For He is our God and we are His people. And if so, we are made holy by His very presence with us. And so may we embrace that holiness. May we embrace that presence. May we embrace His promises given through baptism. Through the supper He has given us. Through His very Word that acts as the foundation of those sacraments. And receive His holiness this day. And receive the sainthood He places upon each and every one of us through His working in us. Let us receive that sainthood now. And walk forever before Him as His people. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.